This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and I'm excited because today we're going to talk with Ben Kirby. Ben Kirby is the author and I guess you would say founder of the Preachers and Sneakers Conversation Movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you know what this podcast is all about. It is about helping you get better at the craft of communication, the craft of preaching. But we always want to be the kind of people where our character leads the way. And today I'm thrilled because in association with our good friends at CDF Capital and Food for the Hungry, I get to have an honest and human conversation about a book that rocked me. But, but before the book even rocked me, um, Ben, you, you kind of shocked the world when you started posting on Instagram some, some sneakers, some preachers, and some kind of StockX uh, price tags. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit of the backstory, where you live, who you are, how you got into this? And then we'll dive into the real conversation about why this book is so important for every preacher and pastor in America. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. See, this is fun. It's always fun to have these conversations, especially with people that kind of get some of the nuance I get into in the book and uh, that can maybe appreciate. I mean, you've lived probably through a lot of these type of uh, topics that I talk about. Fame, wealth, image, all this kind of thing in a church context. I'm not saying you're obsessed with those things. I'm saying you've probably experienced some type of discussion about that. So it's fun to have um, maybe a deeper discussion compared to just like a news media agency. But anyways, my name's Ben. I grew up in Louisiana. I went to undergrad at Arkansas in Fayetteville, spent some time in the Marines as a logistics officer. And then I spent some time in the corporate world uh, leading a company in Austin. And then uh, during, I went back to business school to get my MBA, which is why we're in Dallas. I, I, I'm currently living in Dallas. And halfway through my MBA program, I uh, got maybe divinely inspired to start uh, <clears throat> reposting pastors' preaching photos and putting the resale value of those sneakers that they were wearing next to that photo on my own Instagram. And I did that in March of 2019. And uh, within four weeks, I had over 100,000 followers. And people were getting real fired up on both sides. And I was in the middle trying to react to this weird response to a thing that seemed like it shouldn't have been a thing. And so that was March of 2019. And two years later, the Preachers and Sneakers account has turned into a, a much deeper discussion, or at least to me, it's turned into a deeper discussion about the modern church's relationship to uh, fame and wealth and prosperity and image and social media, all that kind of stuff. Um, so like I said, I, I wrote a book about it imperfectly, but uh, raising some of these questions that many of us have maybe not wrestled with. And it's got a, it's, it's called Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities. Came out a couple of weeks ago. And so far the response has been, has been pretty good. And it's, it's continued to lead to some helpful discussions for the pastor community, also congregants and also atheists. Um, so that's been really fulfilling for me to get uh, reviews from people that are said I'm, that have said, I'm a bona fide atheist and this book was helpful to me. And also 
I've been in church my entire life and this book has been helpful to me as well. So that's cool. And I, for people that are listening, I have no theological background. I, I read my Bible when I can. I pray. I grew up in the church. I, you know, gave my life to Christ probably when I was uh, eight or so. And so, uh, all through that time, I haven't been hurt by the church or anything. I don't have some vendetta against Christianity. I I prefer it flourish and uh, prefer that it it grow and more people know about Jesus. So, uh, thanks for having me. And that's that's kind of the the down and dirty about who I am and where where I came from. Why 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 do you feel like fame is so, and the the money, prosperity, and power? Why why do you think that has kind of snuck into the pulpit in the ways that it has? It makes sense because our churches are filled with people that are obsessed with uh, all of those things. I, in some instances, am obsessed with those things. It's a very alluring uh, prospect to be offered money and uh, adoration and uh, engagement on social media and to be called the greatest communicator of our generation or a a hero of the faith, all that kind of stuff. All that stuff feels good and is is probably amoral in a vacuum, but when you put it all together and your church ends up obsessing over having really good production value to attract new people and to have attractive people on stage and have catchy music and get really great music licensing income, all that kind of stuff combines into a bunch of stuff that just doesn't really matter if you're stressing about all those things and spending millions of dollars to put church on compared to pointing people to Jesus. So, uh, as somebody that likes attention and likes to likes for people to think that I'm funny or insightful or whatever, I uh, totally get why it's a pretty tempting uh, prospect to have a big platform and to be sought after by people around the world and to be paid a bunch of money and to be told that you're awesome. So uh, it's a it's not a surprise to me, but I think it's I think it's probably been unaddressed for a long time. Or if it has been addressed, it hasn't been addressed at scale. And that's where the real problem is at the macro level where uh, on the outside looking in, it looks like our churches are pretty obsessed with a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. And so why would anybody give Christianity a chance if it just looks like we're in it for the money and the fame? Right. No, I think <clears throat> I think that's really, really good. I, you know, I, I grew up in Southern California and I feel like image was just ingrained in me. You know, I could, I could, I could see... Oh, those shoes. I could see, you know, and I think it started out the first time I saw some kid with Reebok pumps and, you know, a kid who didn't have the Reebok pumps, but he had like the zones, which were like the basketball hoop, but you couldn't actually pump them, um, you know, um, a little pay less. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and and so I think I think I began to see, you know, how other people reacted to image, how other people reacted to, you know, the day I got my first pair of Jordans, you know. The, the threes, the black cements back in the day, you know? And so like, I, I wish you I, still had those. I, yeah. From the, from that day for sure. Yeah. The flight suit and all that, you know, but like, but you, you, I saw that and it, and it, it almost was the air that I breathed. And, and then I started kind of, um, interning at a really, really great church in Southern California, but it was filled with beautiful people. And I was on a college, uh, budget, but I'm like doing hosting I've got thrift store clothes and I, Ben, I hate to admit this, but like I was having like these almost, and I didn't have language for it back then, but like an anxiety attack going, I don't, what am I going to wear? And like 15% of all my headspace and heart space, like this precious real estate was going through my clothes, looking, looking, looking. I got nothing. I got nothing. 
So, so then what did it lead me as a intern to do? Take a credit card, go buy some stuff, write it up. And so, so I, I then like got into this pattern of actually, you know, you are what you wear. You are how people perceive you. You are the image. And, and little by little, like I, I started to like, this isn't okay. And I'm giving it too much headspace. And, and it got to a part when like, I, I was reading all about like Jim Harbaugh having uniforms, uh, you know, Zuckerberg, uh, Steve Jobs. But they all type. Yeah, definitely. And, and I was reading this Johnny Cash um, um, biography and he was talking about like why he wore black. And I like I remember it was a service before I was going to teach at Willow and I was stressing about what I was wearing, not about my message. And I felt like the spirit just simply say like, hey, um, do you think that your sermon would be a little bit better if you spent this energy praying for the congregation or prepping for the message, not worrying about how you look? Did it rock me? And I, I, I just ended up just going, I'm just going to wear all black just because Johnny did it. And, and that's literally like what I've, what I've done. But what I'd say is in so many ways, it freed me up from the game of like, Dude, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? But it's still in me. It, it, like, and it then, feels good to be wearing a pair of shoes and somebody notice those shoes and be 100%. like, hey, dude, are those the new Jays? I've yeah. had that happen to me before. And uh, that felt way too good to me. Because it, it, it's it, a stranger. It's like, it's irrelevant. Like it yeah. doesn't, they don't know you. It doesn't matter. They're not going to care about you a second after they compliment you. But we still obsess about getting, I mean, maybe that, even it's not even the compliments. It's just like in our own head that we think that we owe the world some type of good outfit or to be good looking to, to project some kind of message. And that to me, I mean, I guess on this podcast, we can get pretty spiritual. Satan uses that to attack me all the time. Yeah. Like I never look good enough. I'm never in shape enough. I, uh, I have nothing to wear, but it's not just because it's like a discontentment thing. It's like, Oh, if I only had, if I only look this way or if I only had this, this, these sneakers or this clothing or whatever, he can use all that to freaking really erode your headspace to make yeah. you really ineffective. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's amazing because at times I feel like we feel like we need some extra um, pieces to add to the gospel. You know what I mean? Like I, like if I have this, then people will really think I'm somebody or be willing to listen. And like I, you know, people who know me, they know that I've got shoes. Like I've, that was kind of how I would pay for my vacations. I, living in Chicago or LA, you could go get a pair and then flip them. And like, that's, that's what I would do. Um, some I've kept, which is, which is really fun when you're like, it feels like you're playing with Dogecoin uh, maybe two weeks ago. But, like, you know, um, but, you're, but you have this moment where you're like, now should I wear them though? Um, or somebody got you a pair. Should I wear them? And, and, and like just this, again, Bigger than the shoe conversation, there's a chapter in your book where you talk about flexing. Can you can you just like break this down? Because I think I think what we're seeing on social media, I think what we're seeing just in pastors at times, and we've got to be so careful about this, making ourselves the heroes of the story or drawing more attention to us than Christ, or in some some kind of weird way, almost getting off on allowing people to envy us instead of desire more of Christ. So 
I don't know. Can you talk a little bit about the heart of that chapter? Because it really rocked me. Yeah. Uh, like a year and a half ago, somebody in the comment section when I was posting said, just commented, registered flex offenders. And I thought that was like the most witty, amazing thing to say about this whole topic. And so I ended up making that the title of the chapter. And to your point, social, like it's, everybody wants to talk about social media as if it's like this new idea. It's very much ingrained into our culture in everything. And I am not a proponent for now. I'm not a proponent of being off of social media or that it's inherently bad all the time. Um, but as Christians and ones that are, uh, I think it's John three thirty. he must become greater. I, I must become less. It is very easy to get that flipped on social media, or it's very easy to, um, to completely ignore that and say, yeah, he must become greater, but also on my, on my profile, look how awesome my life is. And look at this cool, look at the celebrity I'm hanging out with, or look at this great meal I went on, or look at this trip I went on. Um, and for a lot of us, I know, we had never, including myself, I had never considered that that could potentially cause other people to stumble or cause other people to envy my life and in turn be anxious or depressed. And I, and there's very clear data that says that that does happen uh, just in the general populace. And if, if you believe in the data or agree with the data, then I think you have to contend with how your posts affect the people that follow you. And sure, you don't want to um, you don't want to be controlled by randos on the internet and you don't want to live in fear by any means, but also you don't, I don't think we get to live with our head in the sand about how people interpret our posts. I mean, I think that's what a lot of the shock came from maybe the pastor side about my account was that, uh, that many different people interpreted these outfits and the, the cost of these shoes or the, the values of these shoes in ways that were uh, offensive or exclusionary excluding. Um, and many pastors had never considered it before. Like, they're like, Oh, these were a gift. I didn't realize this was an issue for anything. But once the, the kind of people started learning that the, the prices were pretty significant, then everybody had to contend with that idea. Like, Hey, well, how do I feel about a guy wearing $1,500 shoes? That kind of thing. But with social media and flexing, uh, and I stole this some some of this from my buddy Jonathan Placluda, who's a pastor in Waco, JP. And uh, we talked to my podcast in 2019, and he brought he brought up this very idea that like most of what we post on social media, if we're honest with ourselves, is even just like subconsciously to make others envy our lives. And it's like it's saying, "Hey, look where I'm at. Look what I'm eating. Look who I'm with." Look what I wore. Uh, look at this vacation, all that kind of stuff. None of the things like in and of themselves are bad, but it matters what your heart and your intent is uh, behind why you post that stuff. And like, I'm not a legalist. I, I've posted plenty of vacation pics and all that kind of stuff, but I did have to go back and audit. It's like, hey, I did post these couple of things. Like my buddies in the NBA, my buddy, Justin Holiday. He's, he's let me... He's let me be in the Bulls locker room when he played on the Bulls. He's taken me to Carmelo Anthony's Super Bowl party in New York City when he was on the Knicks. All things that most rational people would want to post on Instagram to show how awesome your life is. And I had to go back and kind of take some of those down because I was like, dude, I wanted people to think that I'm living this NBA freaking movie lifestyle. And as a Christian who's called to elevate the one that's actually worth being elevated, that is counter to the whole point. Like that's building up 
yourself as a as this like pseudo idol that you hope people worship or at least deep down think that you're pretty cool or pretty awesome. And so I just, with the book and that chapter, I wanted to raise that question for people because I, I think I know many people have just kind of filtered their posts through, am I wearing a skimpy bathing suit? Am I doing a keg stand? All right. If I'm not doing those two things, I'm free to post whatever I want. And I think we have a little more responsibility that, for that if we care about serving our neighbor. It's interesting because it's, you know, I'll hear some of the pastors, you know, in response and say, well, I'm trying to influence the influencers, you know, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into, you know, this gateway that leads to entertainment or leads to these athletes or leads to this. So like by me posting this, like it actually is about X, Y, or Z, like there's like a strategic side to it. But like, the, and, and again, I'm just saying that for me, the air that I breathed and the osmosis of like image in California and just being around like, you know, um, a very influential, large room, like uh, various like people within Chicagoland coming to, you know, once a year had like one of the biggest leadership conferences and various people in, in the business, church, like, uh, you know, athletic world were showing up. Like it, it was, it was a big deal. And you kind of like, man, I just got to talk to to Jack Welch. Like, I just got to have this moment, you know? And, and, and I like, I would post about this stuff. And, and I think in some ways, some ways I realized, oh my goodness, like after reading this chapter, who was I trying to influence really? Uh, or, or like, what was I really trying to communicate? And it was like, Hey, yeah, your guy gets to hang around other good guys or good people. Like, hey, like I like I want you to know this is what I do or this is what I get to do or and like I just started to like I mean, do that internal audit of going through my posts and going, "Oh my goodness, like I have done this." You know, and and it's kind of interesting because you know, now it's the the thing that you'll see is on Sunday afternoons when we'll post the pictures of of the pastors preaching, it's like knee high. You know uh, what I mean? Because, yeah, no, <laughs> so I like, remember the, the distinct shift. That's what happened. It's like, all right, I'm not super proud of that, but yeah. But it's like we're just changing, lifting it, and the edited and cropping. But like, it's still, it's still happening. But it's un, like so. It's it's. I feel like these bigger questions of asking why do we do what we do? Like, what's the real motivation? What's the real intention? Are there, are there like practices, are there questions, you know, because like you, you mentioned, like when your guy holiday, you know, and you guys did an IG live and I love the conversation you guys did together, but like he, you know, you, you get to go experience this. How do you discern, oh man, this, this is something worthy of posting. This is something that's not worthy. Yeah. And what would you hope for in pastors? Yeah. It. The, you know, talking about your leadership conference and hanging out with Jack Welch and everything. And, uh, I would be the exact same way. I am the same way. Like the allure of that and the feeling of, uh, knowing that people are seeing me live something that's exclusive or that's, uh, once in a lifetime type thing feels really good. And, uh, you know, you, you brought up the strategy of maybe influencing influencers. I just think that's a 
dangerous game to play because you have to delve in the areas of self-promotion, building your platform, uh, you know, curating your whole image. And mo if you're curating something, oftentimes it's just like inauthentic. And right. uh, I, I see very little purpose in that. And uh, I, I see, I, I get the logic behind wanting to influence influencers because the influencers have huge reach and all that kind of stuff. But now you get into the, now you like, so, I mean, the people that easily get brought up are like Kanye and Bieber. The dudes have unlimited global reach. And in a lot of ways, they've changed their lives around and are talking about Jesus, which is a huge win, I think. But also now that it's, it's, uh, it's tempting to want to say, oh, look, see, Christianity can be cool. And once you start dealing in, in terms like that, well, now you start dealing in diluting the things that are hard about Christianity or that were the, some of the suffering that we're called to. Um, and so, you know, influencing the influencers very quickly to me can turn into trying to use people and using them for their reach's sake. That seems, uh, that seems wrong to me. Yeah. Um, and to your point about like realistic ways to, change this uh i it's not a thing that you can do overnight a big piece of what's helped me um refine some of this or audit some of this has been one i have a super wise wife that's willing to say you're an idiot dude like nobody cares <laughs> yes um and also people in my community that are willing to say the same like hey dude uh it looks like some they called me out one time on linkedin actually because i was kind of being snarky about some stuff and uh they're the type of people that are quick to say, Hey man, you're not really representing who you are and who Jesus is through your, your presence online. I think that's a huge win. It's like, it's, we're not absolved of our own responsibility, but it's definitely helpful for people to have an objective look into how you present yourself online because to on, on the outside, it's very, it would be very easy for somebody to say, Hey, this sure seems a lot about you, bro. And you, you claim to be trying to lead people to Jesus, but it looks like they're, you're leading people to you and only you and your whole profile. If you scroll through your profile, it's just pictures of you, selfies of you and like video curated videos of you preaching about how like slick everything is. Uh, it's impossible for me to like have a granular line or thing to point to. It's kind of like the, I don't know, the purity talks of the old school days where it's like a direction. I think it's, it'd be pretty easy to tell if you think you're awesome by looking at your page as a whole compared to like, I think there's a way that you can be righteously like proud of a trip or a thing that you got because you worked hard. And especially if, if you have people speaking into your life that know you're not obsessed with clothing or image or whatever, they're probably, it's probably fine. Like it's to be, you could be secure in your Cabo trip. If the people around you who know you and love you know that you've been busting it for years to save, paying off all your debts and all that kind of stuff, dude, go on your trip, show some pictures and pride to say, I'm so, you know, pride for the person that you're with or pride for, you know, all the adversity that you went, that you went to and now you're getting to rest, all that kind of stuff. I think there's ways to righteously do that. But every weekend, bro, trying to find something to flex about, <laughs> yeah. I think there's a big difference. And um, again, like I'm not a legalist and I am, people are quick to show up to my account and accuse me of thinking that I am the all seeing eye when it comes to what's appropriate to post or what's appropriate to buy and own. I don't want to be that. I'm not I've never claimed to be that. I could, I get why people may uh, infer that by just kind of like the, the content that I talk about. But I'm very quick to say that I don't know, like there is, it's impossible for me to be specific. Like you should never go to Cabo and post about it. 
But I think if you're never thinking about how your post can be interpreted as a leader and like a shepherder of souls in a way, uh, I think that's to your detriment and it's worth like even just taking a beat before you pause something like, am I doing this to build myself up or is this uh, helpful to my ministry or is it helpful to, you know, there, there could be utility in like encouraging my wife or encouraging my kids or encouraging the staff of my church or all the great things the church is doing. Like, I think if more pastors would be, uh, would default to categorizing all their successes in terms of what the church did and the body of people that they're with did instead of me and my church did this, me and my church wrote this big, you know, novelty check for $50,000 to this, this ministry, like make it about what God's people are doing, not what you are doing. And, um, so I think those are all helpful things to consider, but I know like for people that are looking for a self-help type thing, I can't give that to you. But if you've never considered the heart behind why you post something, I think that's something you should start doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think honestly, you know, growing up and having the honest conversations of like, you know, accountability groups, you know, and like, who are the people, who are the people holding you accountable and, and, and what is it that they're holding you accountable on? And it typically was like, you know, what are you looking at? What are you drinking? Like, all, like how are you spending your money? I do think, though, in this day and age, um, what we're posting and why we're posting is something that we have to give permission to close friends. I mean, my wife, my wife is hilarious. I mean, and because she's I'm a three on the Enneagram, so I'm a big achiever. And like and she'll she'll see me like, oh, like you put the dish away. Like, do you want to do you want? let's just slow clap you right now. Like, you know, (laughs) you know, like, let's just, let's just affirm you, you know, exactly. You know? And, and, but like, she's like this, this works so different than everywhere else you get to go. I remember when, uh, reading how, when Bono would come home from you, from a U2 tour, his wife would put him in a, in a hotel for three days. And it was a detox just from the praise and stimulation. And, and yeah, and, and you just think about that, like you have to come down from this and, and the larger the rooms, it doesn't, and it doesn't matter necessarily size, but the power, the, the opportunity, you talk about this, like influencing somebody's life and, and, and leading them and, and being able to, 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 to help them. And, and I, I think it feels good, you know what I mean? And somehow there are these moments where it can become, it could start out being about Jesus and it can become with a little perk here and a little opportunity here and a little gift here and a little power here and a little book deal here and a little opportunity here and a little first class bump here and a little, 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 little. And all of a sudden it is intoxicating and it's easy. I mean, like, cause who's going to turn down those things? Like what normal person that's working their butt off is going to turn those down things or turn down those things at a micro level. Uh, but you can see how I'm, I'm agreeing with you, like how that stuff can trickle into causing a big, you know, balloon your head. I mean, it can balloon my head. Like there's been a couple times where people have, you know, tell me how I've changed their life through the account or the book, something I could have never planned on doing, but that feels really freaking good. And now just, I just try to put myself in like a pastor's shoes where it's scaled to 30,000 members and something, you know, if we're talking about some of the churches around here in Dallas, how does that not mess with you? Like, how do you just take that in stride where you have like tens of thousands of people saying how amazing you are trying to roll out the red carpet, the proverbial red carpet for you, and also treating you the same online? Your, your, your followership is growing, your reach is growing. People are wanting to 
buy your books and come see you speak or come coach up their leadership teams, all that kind of stuff. At a minimum, it's just a dangerous thing to be messing around with when you're, when I think everyone, if they're honest with themselves, would agree that the mixture of all those things with no accountability and isolation and power could easily corrupt any, any one of us. I think we just need to take it a little more seriously. Like I want everybody to have perks. I think the Java pastor is just an insane, it's an insane prospect to ask somebody to care for somebody's soul and also have irrational standards be put on them and work for $30,000 a year pre-tax and go to the hospital in the middle of the night, all that kind of stuff. Like the prospect of that is ridiculous. And I want, I want, uh, maybe it's not ridiculous, but it, it seems like a huge ask. And so I'm very much on board with pastors getting compensated, flying first class. Sure. Especially people are going to pay for it, but also just don't just accept it as status quo. Right. Try to fight against the, the intoxication of, uh, I mean, this is what Satan does. It's like, you know, you could have the love of the entire world. Just give me your soul. That, I mean, that's not biblical. The, the prospect, like the, the idea is biblical. Basically where Satan can use this kind of stuff yeah. to corrupt you uh, eternally where you turn yourself into your own God and you basically have to say, all right, I'm good without God. Yeah. So, oh, that that's kind of a, well, and I think I know, but I think it's so good because this is the stuff that I feel like every one of you, um, who, who gets the chance to stand on a platform, to preach, to open up God's word. Like, um, you know, I, I hear those words often of Jesus and, and you're alluding to them, Ben, when you say, you know, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? And 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 I think, you know, there is something that's intoxicating about power. There's something intoxicating about the need to be needed or loved or wanted or seen. But but again, it's it's you have to keep that in check and um and and really keep wrestling that to the ground. And for some of us, it might mean like the the healthiest thing for me to do i mean i heard gandhi like was bought a f- first class ticket once and he didn't you know the, the the place that was waiting for him to speak i think in britain when he landed in london was like he didn't come out with first class so they got worried like oh gandhi's not on the plane then like business class came out he was in business class then coach came out and like the last seat of the plane he's the last person off and they're like Oh, Mr. Gandhi did like, did they, you not have the right seat? Like, do you not? And they're like, no, he's like, why, why didn't you sit in first class? And why'd you sit back in the end? And he's like, cause there wasn't uh, another row that was farther back. Like, I, like, and he's like, I just traded. And, and I, and he's like, but the, the, what I heard, the reason he did that was I have to do that for myself. Cause I know my own heart will be, I deserve this. And, and even if you look at like, like David, you know, he doesn't go to war one day. And so he has these desires, but the desires then become something that he thinks he deserves. And then the desires become something he deserves, but then he demands it. And I think that's, that's the, the dangerous pattern that, oh, we have these desires to be seen, have influence, but now we, de- we feel like we deserve it. And now I'm comparing my life towards some other pastors or other leaders and why am I not ahead? Why am I behind? Gauging, I demand that this. That's the gauge for success. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is what your book just brought. Um, I think, and I thought your tone of it, I thought your spirit of it, like, um, 
I, I, I'm like surprised that you've taken some of the shots that you have because I think what you are what you are bringing to mind is, hey, when someone stands on a stage and opens God word, God's word, like, what, what what should we be focused on? What should we be hoping for? What should we be drawing attention to? And again, please, I'm not saying that I've got this right. Like, I've I've messed this up. I've I've definitely you know um, worn my my J's on the sh- on, on stage out of a broken place. I I can honestly admit that. But I do feel like the more over the last two years since you've started this conversation, I just found myself going, man, why do I do this? And I don't like that part of me. Yeah. And I hope it's, I hope it for anybody that does have those thoughts, I hope it's not out of a fear of some randos online and what they're going to say, because people are going to, I hope pastors know that they're going to get flack online regardless if they choose to be online. Um, And I, I don't, my intent is to never shame anyone other than maybe prosperity gospel dudes that are taking advantage of people in their time of need. But other than that, I don't want anybody to operate in a way out of fear, but I, there's also a way to be wise about eliminating distractions from what you say your message is. And it's up to everybody to maybe determine or to, you know, iterate on what the best way to eliminate distractions is because a lot of like, the production we have now was a product of wanting to not be a distraction. Like we want to be excellent so that we cannot be a distraction because there were plenty of cheesy, terrible worship bands back in the day or church services that were stuffy and horrible. And so now we, you know, that translated into having really well-produced services and music and speaking. Um, But it very quickly can turn into it being about that and that being a distraction where it's like, this feels like a freaking like, music festival uh and, and you know once it starts getting more about all that like ancillary stuff i think it's worth reevaluating yeah man it's 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 spot on and i think i think the what, what's amazing is yeah well some people make a decision um because they're like oh man i'm, I'm fearful that somebody's going to call me out probably but i also think the book was a healthy dose of conviction to really just um ask yourself harder questions of hey what's what's really it's often what I call the thing beneath the thing what what's what's the real why you know and and again I just um I thought it was uh really really fantastic and and I'd say the other the other piece is um what it what it helped me understand is it's not just the pastor oftentimes it's the congregation too that you have to to almost train the congregation and they're and to really help them not see you in this light. Right. And, because we want re- we want to elevate the the best speakers and the best looking people. Like we want to because we want to have an interaction with uh, yeah. a celebrity. It feels great to be able to say that I know a celebrity, whatever that is, or or know somebody that's really impactful. And uh, I yeah, I think that's huge because you know, many people come to my account and will be super judgy in the comments, asking all the world of these pastors or preachers or whatever. And I promise we'll never consider their own lives and what they can do different and whether or not they're uh, dying to themselves at all. Um, and I think that's equally like we're sure, you know, not many of you should become teachers because we'll be judged more strictly, but also we aren't called to just do whatever we want because of the freedom in Christ type thing. Like, we are also called to die to ourselves and to elevate the name of Jesus only. Um, and 
a big part of what why our churches look the way they do right now is because we demanded it. Like we demanded the production value, the coffee shops, the pottery barn couches, the sexy speakers, the the rotation of sexy speakers coming through each weekend, the new books to buy, the new conferences to go to. It's a collective effort that I think if people would all take a second to uh, audit some of those things and reevaluate it, our churches would be better. And I, th- I think that's a, what, what was at the deep root of why I even started posting about any of this stuff, because it felt like the presentation of what it means to be a Christian or who Jesus was felt inauthentic or it felt uh, manufactured. And that like graded at me because I know like I've had a pretty good life, but even my pretty good life has had really hard things. And unless you have theology that deals with that, uh, it's just like a fake nothing theology based on entertainment and attractive, comfy, self-help BS. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what is at the root. I just want people to be real about what it means to be a Christian and be real about who Jesus was. And that includes pastors, but it also includes uh, us randos that go to the, these congregations. Man, Ben, that's so, it's, it's so beautiful. And, and I think that there's something, you know, um, a real tide that's, that's switching, you know, whether it's a church called Tove, when narcissism comes to church, um, obviously this, this account that turned into, I think a phenomenal book and, and resource. Um, but I, I feel like there are these real honest conversations. And then I just read, um, a burning in my bones, which is the biography of, of Eugene Peterson. And you just, you look at this guy who was so gifted, but he's like, I'm just going to stay in Montana. And, is he the and message I'm, guy? yeah, yeah. He's the message guy. And just, he, he was like, I, I, I'm not going to be a, he could have been a bigger pastor, but I'm like, I'm going to say put 500 people and I'm just going to be pastor Eugene, you know? And, and again, just in a sense of opportunities, platforms, money, bigger, it's got to be better. It's got to be more favor. Like there, there is this weird sense of even for some people who wouldn't preach a prosperity gospel, if you look at their life, it speaks to it because it's all about looking healthy, looking and being around people who are wealthy. And it's like, it's, it's, this is, this is what success looks like. It's the metric. Yeah. And it, 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 it is turned and nobody's saying it or nobody's like admitting to it, but all the biggest churches right now basically operate the same, operate their socials the same, look and sound pretty similar. And there's no basis for that other than just like the tides of culture have, have turned it into like, if you want a successful church, you're going to have these amenities. You're also going to have this presence on social media. You're going to chop up your pastor's sermons and repost them every single day throughout the week behind cool, you know, lyrics or captions or whatever. Uh, and the pastor is going to be an influential dude that's probably friends with a president and also friends with an NFL owner or whatever. Uh, all of those things that are just have come from existing in culture and have no basis for like what success is like to think that's just like such a good thought ex- experiment. I think to, to consider what makes a church successful yes. because I think, uh, and my buddy JP also said, and he, maybe he saw this too, but like cancer grows too. And so like, having a big church is not technically like it can be huge and unhealthy um, and unsuccessful, I guess. And so it, 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 I guess it matters how you determine what success looks like. Is it, 
Is it a quantity play where you're the more people you're getting in, it's just inevitably going to end up into more conversions? Or is it a metric of how much money we're deploying into the community or into the mission field? Or is it, you know, everybody wants data to to be able to measure stuff. Um, so it, it makes sense that you're like, oh, we had 4,000 converts this year and we had 30,000 people come through. But it's interesting. Somebody brought it up. I can't remember who brought it up, but it's interesting that many mega churches have basically the same membership number year after year because there's churn and they might have people coming every year, but they also have people leaving every year. And so what is that? Like, what is a successful church? Is it one that can attract people for a year and get donations for a year? Or is it one that can attract people, get them commute, like committed and uh, integrated into the community to help people regardless of what their faith is? It's just like, I think many churches need to reevaluate. and like, I know nothing about running a church. Like, I, I, hear me, like, I'm a dude on Instagram in North <laughs> Dallas in a three, two that has, is a business guy, but it's as a layman, it's very clear to me that this church's success has been defined a very certain way. Right. And that has gotten us to where we are now. And I think it would be healthy for everybody to reevaluate what their church's metric for success is. Cause I guarantee you, God does not care about how many people came to your Christmas program or how much engagement you got on social or how many conferences your main guy got to go speak at. None of that. Like, I think he cares about uh, his glory and taking care of the less fortunate. Uh, those two things I think should be the, or making disciples, making disciples, reaching the lost, pointing people to God and taking care of the, the lonely, the widow, the orphan, all, you know, everybody that's uh, less fortunate. And none of that stuff has to deal with, coffee shops and light laser shows. Um, but they can, I guess, like I'm not a legalist, like you can leverage technology and sh like Watermark. I go to Watermark. They have a really dope coffee shop. And I, I've experienced this where every day it's filled with people having really like tough conversations or like community type conversations. So I think that's a good way to do it. I like, I'm not against coffee. I'm very much uh, borderline addicted to coffee. Uh, but I think that using any of that stuff as a metrics for success outside of the things God's actually called us to, I think is a detriment. Yeah. Oh, bro. I think that's so good. I mean, I think for all of us, we should ask that about our churches. We should ask that for ourselves. What does success look like for ourselves personally? And, and I think what that, what that, what's really going to validate us, you know, is it, is it who we're with, what we wear, what car we drive, or is it something that, um, is actually true to the heart of God? Ben, where, where can people find you? Because, um, again, I, I'm actually going to do a little giveaway of Preachers and Sneakers on the Craft and Character podcast because um, I just think the, the book is so so good, and I just want as many pastors to read this as possible. But where else can they find you and get behind the work that you're doing? If they're pastors, I hope they've probably seen the Instagram account, at Preachers and Sneakers, and I'm sure they feel some type of way about it one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> and PreachersandSneakers.com has got all the links to the book and the podcast that I do that's cleverly named the preachers and sneakers podcast. That should be a good starting point for everybody, man. Thanks for the kind words about the book. Like it, it's helpful to hear people that actually know what they're talking about and that are studied to get, to be able to get something out of it. Because I, uh, I guess I want people to know that I really tried my best. I don't care about my, like elevating myself. Like, I don't think I'm more anointed or more gifted to talk about these things for whatever reason, God threw me into this or uh, like either purposely threw me into this or allowed this to happen to me. And um, it, it's very fulfilling to hear that people are 
viewing their lives and how they spend their money and how they operate online in a different way because of some stupid posts about a sneaker. Um, so that that's like super fulfilling to me. And that's what I have to hold on to because obviously many people get, uh, are super mean about the stuff I, I talk about, but, um, having conversations like this are super uplifting to me. So I appreciate you doing this. Well, I think, I think you're like someone who's on the inside, but on the outside. And what I mean by the inside is you go to a church, you love the church, you sit in a pew, um, but you're on the outside because it's not like you're in the machine, the day to day of, of like writing messages, having to, to be on stage. But you, so you have this inside outside view of it. I, again, I, th- I think you're really, really funny. I, I love a lot of your posts. Um, I think your tone in the book was just really thoughtful. And I feel like there was a ton of humility in it. But more than anything, again, just for me, everything is permissible. Not everything is beneficial, as the scriptures talk about. And I just have not wanted to have an honest assessment or look at image as being something that I should really think, is this beneficial? And, and I think um, there's been a couple moments, experiences when I was at Willow that I just, I, I, there was a check about, but it, it, I didn't say anything or I didn't do anything. I just like, I, you know, got on the private jet. Just, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and then I, when I landed, my car was washed and I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. And no TSA, this is crazy. But I'm like, this isn't going to be good for me. And so like you have these moments where you sit there and you go, this isn't, this isn't what I got into this for, but holy cow, this could, this could take me out. This could really take me out. So Ben, I appreciate you. And seriously, um, we'll, we'll, we'll push people towards your good work. And I can't wait for more pastors to read this book. And it's going to be fun to see, um, more conversations that you continue to, to stir up for good in the church and beyond. I love that, Steve. Thanks for having me, man. This is fun. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, for everyone tuning in, thanks so much for listening to the Crafting Character Podcast. Hey, go go follow if you haven't, which I'm sure you already have because you're smart. You are in the know, Preachers and Sneakers on Instagram. Um, but also thanks to our good friends at CDF Capital and Food for the Hungry. And if you are looking for more opportunity to grow in the craft of communication, um, go to craftingcharacter.org. Um, we have these amazing, amazing cohorts to walk with you, to have honest conversations about your character, dive into topics like this, but also talk about ways that you can get better as a preacher and a teacher and live true to the heart of God. Much love, everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Grace and peace. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series, Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com/ct.